grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Amen. I'm not particularly musical. I'm trying very slowly to learn guitar. Uh, when I was in high school, I sang in show choir, but I really can't read music. I just had to follow the uh, leader of my section. But if you were here with us on Sunday, you heard me playing the cajon before our sermon. It really wasn't that hard. I just needed a good teacher to show me what to do, and there it was. Have you had an experience like that? You tried something new that seemed difficult, and it turned out not that bad. Maybe you learned a new card game, and the rules seemed difficult to you at first, but at the end of the night, you could teach someone else. Or maybe you had a new recipe you were trying in the kitchen. There were some unfamiliar ingredients and techniques, but then when everyone sat down around the table, it tasted good. In our gospel reading today, Jesus told his disciples about something that seemed difficult to them. He tells them that this thing is their duty, that they are expected to do this. He also tells them that it is not as difficult as it first seems. They can do this. So let's learn the lesson which the disciples learned that day. Let's find the answer to this question. How hard is forgiveness? So this section of the book of Luke is paralleled in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. And in there, the disciples come to Jesus with a question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus finds a child in the crowd following them. He sits this child down with him and the 12 disciples, and he tells them, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest. Jesus is teaching them, my kingdom works in an upside-down way. The greatest in Jesus' kingdom is a servant. Showing power in Jesus' kingdom is showing love to others. And then Jesus continues with a warning to the disciples. Matthew 18, verse 6, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's paralleled in our reading, Luke 17, verse 2. Now, Jesus wants his people, he wants us to understand something. Causing another believer to stumble is a great sin. We hear the same thing taught by the Apostle Paul in our second reading, verse 9 from 1 Corinthians 8. Be careful that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Paul is addressing a very specific situation. In the Corinthian congregation, some people were in the habit of buying cheap meat in the market that was sold after the animal was sacrificed in pagan temples. And this distressed some of the Corinthian Christians. Aren't we participating in idol worship by eating this? Paul says, no, an idol is nothing, so go ahead and buy the meat. But, Paul says, be careful. Even though there's nothing wrong with the act in itself, it's wrong for a Christian to flaunt their freedom when others might be tripped up. This principle taught by Paul has wider application than eating idol meat. We have the freedom in Christ to listen to music that cusses or to watch movies that feature not very holy conduct. We have the freedom to vote for imperfect political candidates, to get tattoos or shave our heads or grow our hair to our ankles. But when I know that any such choice could cause a weak brother or sister to stumble, I don't trumpet it. I can still buy the idol meat. I can still eat the idol meat. I can even, as Paul talks about in the letter to the Corinthians, eat the idol meat in the idol temple. But I don't invite that person over dinner to serve them idol meat. I love them. I don't need to hurt them with my freedom. It's this principle, a love for others that seeks to avoid offense. It's this principle that links these two readings. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about unneeded offense that can be given by exercise of freedom. In our gospel reading, though, Jesus is talking about offense we give by refusing to do our duty from verse 1. 
Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. Again, there's a broad principle here. Love one another by giving no unnecessary offense. Don't cause a brother or a sister or especially a child to stumble. But here, though, Jesus gives us a specific cause of stumbling to be warned against. It's a refusal to forgive. See how he continues, verse 3. Watch yourselves to make sure you don't cause someone to stumble. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. This whole section of Luke comes in the context of Jesus disputing with the Pharisees. What's the principal difference between Jesus and the Pharisees? It's grace, forgiving love, undeserved love. Jesus taught grace. The Pharisees did not. Both Jesus and the Pharisees taught on the seriousness of sin. Don't overlook that punishment for sin is preached by Jesus here, right? He's talking about millstones being hung around people's necks. Jesus preached the law just as hard, harder, in fact, than the Pharisees did. But even more radical was Jesus' gospel of grace. The defining feature of Christianity, the thing preached by no other religion or philosophy or movement, is forgiveness. It's seven times over forgiveness. It's 77 times over forgiveness. It's boundless, God-imitating forgiveness. It is the duty of the Christian to forgive, Jesus tells the disciples. That's the point of the parable in the second half of our text. The disciples are told to picture themselves as a servant, a hired hand, who's already done a hard day of work and yet has one more task placed on him at the end of the day before he clocks out. Your life as a Christian is pictured by this parable. You work just as hard day in and day out as everyone else in our world does. You punch in at work. You come home and clean. You maintain your property. You go to school, you do homework, you run errands, you make appointments. And then your Lord, on top of all that, tells you that one more thing is expected of you. Forgive. Forgive all the people who wrong you as you're out and about doing everything that needs doing in your life. Forgive them. Forgive your brothers and sisters. Forgive. We're learning two things about forgiveness from Jesus today. One, it's our duty. We don't deserve any praise for forgiving others. Verse 10, so when you have done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. And two, failure to carry out this duty places a stumbling block before others. Jesus specifically here talks about the fact that failure by Christians to show forgiveness hurts children in the church. How many people have left churches because forgiving attitudes, forgiveness, were lacking? We've seen it happen. Two families get into a dispute. There's acrimony. There's anger all around. Someone ends up leaving in a huff and puff. That becomes the model of Christianity for the kids watching these grown-ups. I know a woman who recently joined one of our sister churches in Florida. And in one of her first interactions with another lady there, this second woman pointed someone else out and told her new sister in Christ in all seriousness, that's my nemesis. My nemesis. A sister in Christ. Christians, how dangerous this kind of thing can be. How destructive, how demonic this backbiting. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians, when you sin in this way and wound a weak conscience, you sin against Christ. We can't put these stumbling blocks in one another's way. We must forgive. But there's the question, right? How hard is forgiveness? 
it can be difficult. The apostles recognize this as Jesus preaches to them. What is it that they cry out to him after he's told them about this kind of forgiveness that they need to have with one another? They say, increase our faith. Jesus, we need we need stronger, more faith if we're going to do what you're telling us to do. Because Jesus, it's hard to forgive over and over and over again. It's hard to forgive when I've been hurt by the same person in the same way over and over and over again. We need stronger faith, Jesus, to do what you're telling us. We need you to give us stronger faith if we're going to forgive like you. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't tell them, yeah, it is hard. You're right. But practice. You'll get better. Jesus doesn't tell them that forgiveness is something like playing the cajon, cooking, right? It's not a skill that practice will gradually improve. No. What Jesus tells them is, you can already do this. You don't need stronger faith. Verse 6, he tells them, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. The disciples are crying out to Jesus for stronger faith so they can forgive as they should, and Jesus tells them, Having faith means you can forgive. Faith as small as a mustard seed can work this outwardly impossible thing of planting a tree in the sea, he says. It's more than capable of forgiveness. Faith is forgiveness. What is our faith? Our belief? Well, we speak exactly what it is we believe every Sunday when we recite the creeds. We believe that God made us. We believe that God sent his son to be our savior. We believe that God calls us together around that good news message. Uh, We believe that we are forgiven. More than that, we believe that all sins were forgiven through Jesus. Colossians 2, Paul says, God forgave us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that he stood that stood against us this god set aside nailing it to the cross to have faith in the god of the bible is to forgive the sins others commit against you because you know that you have been forgiven by god right to have faith in our savior is to have forgiveness lenses on as you look at the world it's having the mindset paul expressed in our second reading this mindset that considers every person someone for whom christ died just like you are someone whom god loves someone whom god has forgiven faith does this that's the comfort message the promise which jesus has for the twelve, and for us. How hard is forgiving? It's the default for the Christian. In faith, you forgive. Not to fulfill a command, because for you, believer, it's as natural as breathing. As believers, our lives are battles against our sinful natures. The new person in us, who's been brought to life by the gospel, naturally forgives. The sinful nature hates forgiveness. And when we, in light of the gospel, do forgive, the sinful nature does its best to preen and pride itself on how kind-hearted it is, how forbearing, how generous. Jesus ends this morning's reading with this parable so that the disciples have a stick that they can use on their sinful natures. Jesus wants his disciples to have this weapon. He wants us to have this weapon as well. Our sinful nature cannot convince us that it deserves extra praise for forgiving. This is just our duty. 
This comes naturally to the believer. It's who we are. And it's a joy. Uh, It's a joy to forgive. We don't need extra reward, extra praise. Heaven is ours. Right? So getting to forgive, we see now, is it's like getting to hand out street uh, on the street corner $100 bills to everyone you see when you know that your bills are paid, that you are provided for. So here's the call of our Savior today, friends. Live forgiving lives. Don't let the sinful nature put this stumbling block in front of others. Use this parable the way Jesus wanted his disciples to use it, to beat down the sinful nature with a stick, to say, no, I will not hold out forgiveness from someone, nor will I pat myself on the back for forgiving. Instead, let others see your faith and your humility and your care for others and your love for every soul. And when it's remarked on, shrug off praise, compliments, any comment that might come your way by just telling folks, no, I'm not special. I'm a servant of Jesus. Amen.